Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for for the love that you show us in Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary, that that would not just be an idea, but it would lead to a life lived that would look like you. Jesus, I thank you that we would not just speak a message at the expense of becoming that message. Lord, that we would not have a a life and a message that's conflicting, but Lord, we would become the message that's convicting. Lord, that, that you say, Jesus, that to us, you say, you are the light of this world. Lord, I thank you that we have the privilege of being able to shine the light that you freely gave to us, Lord, and that that we would be able to look at those who don't know you and that they would see Jesus looking back. Lord, tonight, would you not let this just be words? Lord, we thank you that you would speak to our hearts, that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. Lord, that we would live lives of boldness because the righteous are as bold as lions. Come on, let's just lift him up one more time. We can never get tired of that. That's what eternity is going to be like. Amen. All right. (sighs) Tell you what, I'm, I'm excited about what God is doing. I know we, we, we can say that so flippantly, I'm excited about what God's doing, but in the last week, I've had the privilege of, um, on Monday and Tuesday, I was in the Gold Coast with the YWAMers and sharing with the DTS, and then on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I was in New South Wales with, uh, thank you Trev, with Joel Shaw, and we, uh, we're at a conference out there in, in Liverpool, New South Wales, and then this morning I was at um, a church in Newcastle, not in England, in New South Wales as well. And, uh, and you know what? The message of identity, righteousness, and sonship and knowing whose you are and who you are is rocking the world. I'm seeing churches, it's, it's, it's incredible, guys, what we can so easily take for granted here, right? And we, we can hear a message week after week and sometimes get used to it and comfortable with it and almost forget the impact it has when a son and daughter hears it and goes, oh my goodness, the blood of Jesus is enough. Jesus paid the price. And, and he didn't just die for me, he died as me. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew how much sin? No sin. To what? See, this is what I mean. We can get so used to this, guys. This is so important. You think about Martin Luther and and what took place just a few hundred years ago to pave the way, to actually say, you know what? Grace, we believe in what grace can accomplish for the Christian, not by works. Amen? And what's happening is we've, we've realized that grace is not just a covering, it's an empowering force that can cause the Christian to walk like Jesus. And so I've just been so privileged over the last few days to just see the simple message of the cross impact people all over the place. And so tonight, I'm gonna share a little bit of what we've been sharing, but I felt really clearly on my heart to share a a specific message for our home church tonight. And so I I would ask you just to, to ready your heart. 
I would encourage you, we've been preaching about being unoffendable, so I would ask you to put it into practice tonight. Amen? <laughs> because I, I don't want to, I mean, let's be honest, do, do we, do we, uh, Jesus, being very careful to choose my words, because I want to speak what he's given me. Amen? And do we just want me to give us a massage while we're in the seats and there's a dying world around us? Or do we want to hear the truth of the gospel? Amen? And I really felt just uh, Tom and, and Catherine and, and Daniel have prayed over me just a few months ago and, and have seen God using what we're doing to spread the power of evangelism, the fivefold. Who knows the fivefold, right? It's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So if somebody says Nathaniel's an evangelist, I, I see myself as a son. I, I, I'm not, you know, the, the titles are, are, are cool when they actually function. And I see when, when Tom, Catherine, and Daniel prayed for me, I've seen something take place. But the fivefolds for what? The equipping of the, the saints for the work of the ministry. That's so simple. So if someone's an evangelist, is it because they, they're, they're really good at winning souls all the time? Is that what it's for? Is it because they've got a special gifting to win souls and the rest of us don't have that? We've been taught that. We've been taught that there's a percentage in the church who they'll be out on the front lines and, and then the rest of us, we, we've got other kinds of giftings. The event, we've heard this so many times, but we can't allow it to become redundant because it's so important. Amen. The calling of a prophet or an evangelist or any of the fivefold is to equip the saints, all of us right now. The first words of Jesus to the disciples, what were they? The first words, be what? Fishers of men. That's what he called them to. I'm calling you to be fishers of men. Who's a disciple of Jesus? Who knows the first words of Jesus are probably pretty important when we look scripturally. Who knows the last words of Jesus are probably also pretty important. It's an understatement. What were the last words? Go make disciples of most nations. <laughs> of every nation. Baptizing him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. In, in Mark 16, what did he say? Preach the gospel to, to who? all creation. I know this is so simple, but who's he talking to? He's talking to us. Yeah, we've said, oh, you know, someone else, Nathaniel's, man, it breaks my heart when people say, Nathaniel, is so good that you've gifted for that. I'm not really, that's not my calling. It's, it, it really, it, it breaks my heart because Jesus said we are to leave the 99 to go after the one. And so often we've left the one to hang out with the 99. I love being around my Christian brothers and sisters. We're called to family. We're called to discipleship. But we're also called to the front lines. That means we can do this thing together. Today's Remembrance Day, right? We remember 100 years ago, the man who, who gave their lives for this country and the freedom we have. And man, we ought to honor that. But I want you to imagine 
Imagine if the, the sergeant got the men together ready for battle. And he said, here we go. We're going to do this thing, guys. Tonight's the, the night. That I know some of us may lose our lives. This is going to be intense. It's not going to be comfortable. But this is what we've been training for. You're fully equipped. Let's go. And they say, that's awesome, Sarge. About 10% of us are called for that. The rest of us are going to watch you guys. And we, some of us are really good at cooking. And, and the rest of us, we got words of encouragement and stuff. But hey, uh, send us a postcard. Who knows Australia's history would be different. Is it okay if I'm just real tonight? I know this is my home church and I, I want to speak a word in season because we've, we've got to have balance. The reason I say this is the word of righteousness and identity changes us. And then when Jesus said to the disciples in Acts and what was the accomplishment of what he said in Acts 2, he said, go wait. And, and what was it? Power that would come upon them, right? And then he says, and I... And that power will cause you to witness sometimes. Is that what he says? What does he say? You will, what? Be his witness. Every one of us. You could picture the, the, the battle if it, was, if it was just, okay, Sergeant, you go for this thing. This, you come and tell us some testimonies next time. Unfortunately, in the West, and, and we at Glory City Church here, we're, we're privileged because we've understood this. That, that every Christian is called. We understand that, and that's a privilege. So I'm, tonight, I'm speaking into something that God's already doing. But I would ask you, please, just say, God, help me not be offended by what Nathaniel's saying. Help me to hear the truth, and help me to actually take it to you. Like it says in Matthew 6, 6, to get alone with Jesus, and in the secret place, and God will reward us in the open. Or does he reward you with himself? Amen. And so I'm, just so we're all on page, the message we've been sharing the last few days is about the finished work of the cross, about Jesus said, it is finished, not to be continued, right? And, and we've been talking about the fact that you have a new heart. He knows Ezekiel 36, 26 says he'll take your heart of stone out and he'll put a heart of flesh in there. It doesn't say he's going to leave any pebbles behind, right? Are you guys all right? We're doing okay. We're on page with this. Someone say Amen. Come on. I was like, get you guys to stand again. Trev will say, no. <laughs> I love Trev. Isn't he awesome? I, I'm imitating Trev as he imitates Christ. He's got, he's got well, probably one, uh, I'm doing like a zero, and he's doing like a clean shave. So I think if we have an axe encounter in here and we get tongues of fire on our head, I think Trev's going to feel it just a second before me, but I'm going to feel it before most of you. Amen? Come on. <laughs> Come on. But the message we've been sharing is simple because Paul says this, I desire to know nothing else but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And you see that being the foundation of the rest of everything he taught. The same man that said, I will have no man's blood on my hands because I spoke. You look at the way in his boldness. He said, I am unashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation. That's the words of Paul. And then he says in 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You look at the, all through the New Testament, the commissioning for Christians. But it's so key what we've been sharing the last few days because it helps us realize as Christians, the moment you come into salvation, you're fully equipped. You're fully qualified. Why? Because you could never qualify yourself. That's like every other faith and every other religion. It's dead works. It's self-righteousness. 
It's, you know what it is? Often we've been taught, and we've, we, I'm, I want to hit this up front so we can, the, the, the righteousness message from a slightly different perspective and where we're going to land, I think, is going to be important tonight. You guys with me? Yeah? And so this morning I was at Newcastle and I spoke about the simplicity of this message. A house divided amongst itself cannot stand. And that's what Jesus taught. And yet as Christians, we have often thought that that's exactly what we are, a house divided. And what happens is it causes us to not be able to stand. Is this making sense? And in that place of feeling conflicted against ourselves, we've, we've actually struggled and we've said things like, oh, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And we know here that Paul says you're a saint 60 times or plus in some translations. Put your hand up if you're a saint. If you're not, I'm going to preach you for the next 45 minutes. Thank you, Jesus. Let's do that again. Show of hands. No, I'm not going to do that. But honestly, if you're not walking with the Lord, give your life to Jesus tonight because you don't have a guarantee of tomorrow. Don't wait another day, yeah? You can even throw your hand up in the middle of the sermon and we're going to pray for you and it's going to be amazing. But what I, what I want to share is really simple. And I was on the plane and God was putting it on my heart. And so this morning at this church, the message, it just, it, it showed me how important this is, this simple message. But I, I was also drawn to the fact that often if we hear a new revelation and, you're, and you sit in a pew and you hear it, sometimes we can be deceived into thinking we've got it. And we've made revelation about retaining information instead of outward transformation. Does this make sense? And so what can happen is we hear that we can quote the words, we can, we can hear the messages. And I was in, the, in America a couple of years ago and people were saying, hey, Nathaniel, I was there the day that Heidi Baker encountered God. I was there when, when, when she was on the floor and it was seven days. And, and, and we know the rest, the history of over 10,000 churches, the way she sits with the poor out in, in, in Africa. She's had stones thrown at her. Muslims persecute her. And yet she's simply loved Jesus. What's my point? People were in the room at that same time and they soaked up the information. And 20 years later, they were still at the church waiting for another message, waiting for another word, waiting for something else to hear. We can't afford to do that. Yes, we need to come and hear amazing messages, but if we don't become it, it's for nothing. It's for real. I look at people who put into action what they simply believe, and that's what we're called to. I look, like, I look at someone like Titian, who God's given her a simple message about abortion and the fact that this is not okay. And I see like a William Wilberforce uh, anointing, and actually I won't even call it anointing because she just chose, right? And see, people could say, well, Titian's called for that, and she could probably give you a list of reasons as to why it's probably not the right time for her, and there's other things. But she said, you know what? If, if I don't respond to this, no one else will. And 5,000 people followed her through the streets of Brisbane, saying, this is not okay. We're standing for life. And we've sent a message to the Brisbane government. And even though the laws have been passed, they won't last long. I can tell you why. Because people are deciding we need to make a stand. We can't just hypothesize about this. Coming back to the battle analogy, right? Could you picture it? Picture the, 
picture the, the generals hyping people up and saying, hey, this is, this is what we went through and we fought this battle and then we're in Vietnam and everyone's like, that's awesome. And then at the end, it's like, high five, we'll see you all next week. Could you picture it? It sounds, it sounds wacko, right? It doesn't work. And, and even in a, in a company, even just talking secular world, we, they, they have meetings where they get together for a reason. Why? Because they've got a mission and they're taking it on together and they're as one. Is this making sense? So the reason that we come here together for the gathering of the saints is not just so that we can, can retain information and get a back massage and hear a nice word. It's so we can be the word to our workplaces, to our friends, to our families, because who knows this life is like that. It's here one moment, gone the next. James says it's like a vapor. And, and you can tell tonight, I'm not, I'm, I've got a sobriety on my heart. I'm not wasting time. Even tonight, I'm just jumping straight into it because I know the importance. Time is so short, guys. Just the other day, I was um, at this conference and I spoke to the, to the guy who's running and I said, listen, I, I need to not be at the conference Friday now. I know Joel's speaking. I would love to be there. But listen, my grandmother's not well. I need to go see her. And I, I risked the, even the idea of not sounding very polite, I wanted to hear Joel and, and the pastor understood. And he said, we normally have people stay and pray for the prayer ministry, but if you've got to go, you've got to go. And I jumped on two trains and traveled for an hour after ministering for days. And I sat in, a, in, a, in my nan's house. I sat with her for a few hours and, and she's just towards the end of her life and she's got a back issue and, and things going on in <laughs> bed. When I prayed for her back, she didn't get healed. But you know what? I sat with her and I shared the gospel. People say, oh, well, what if it's awkward? What if I don't know what to say? Come on, this is our family, guys. Sometimes we've, we've put, Jesus says to deny ourselves, And yet sometimes we, we're, we're too embarrassed or intimidated. What if I don't know what to say? What if I, oh, that family member there, you know what they're like. They're, they, they won't receive the truth. Or we, or we say, oh, I shared with them once. They didn't receive it real good. I think about, imagine getting to the end of my life and I, I look in the Lamb's book of life and my nan's name's not there. And I say, oh my goodness, she's not here. What's going on? And, and imagine my excuses in the midst of that. Imagine saying, I, I just didn't get a, a, the, the time. I didn't get around to it. What were you doing, Nathaniel? How, how much of your week did you spend on Netflix and searching the internet? How much of your week did you spend preaching sermons? How much of your week, your grandmother? And I don't think that God's going to give us a guilt trip at the end of our life. He's going to wipe every tear. But man, I want to see all my family members there. I want to make every opportunity I can to be sold and light. This is making sense. Is this Okay. I sat with my grandmother, I shared the gospel, I shared the, the three circles. Who's seen the three circles, right? Simple gospel tool. It's not a one size fits all, but it really helps when my grandmother gets really distracted and puts the TV on full blast and wants to tell you three stories in one and then halfway through one story forgets about something else, right? It really helps to simply have the gospel laid out. And so I shared it with her, shared about sin, I shared about the need for a savior. And you see, she's had a Christian background, so it would have been so easy to say, well, she talks about God. I think she's probably okay. I think she probably okay isn't good enough. When I'm sharing, I want you to know I'm not angry at anyone. I'm not angry at you. I know it's, there's a zeal in my heart. There's a, 
a realization that the enemy has lied to us as the bride and it's caused us to be silent. And that has translated to an abnormality with what we believe and how we act. There's a void between it. And what I want to do tonight is speak to that place because it's time for us to be bold. Amen. And as I shared with my grandmother, I just... I shared repentance, I shared salvation, I shared the need for a savior and my nan got it. I saw the light bulb go off. And I said to her, you see, I shared the gospel with my grandfather years ago, just before he died, he was an atheist his whole life and I sat with him on his hospital bed and I said, Pop, you've seen my life, you've seen my dad's life, you've seen the way we've lived, you know God's real. My Pop said for the first time, I know God's real and I shared with him. So I said to my nan, do you wanna hear what I shared with Pop? shared the gospel with her, and my grandmother gave her life to Jesus just a few days ago. Come on. What could be worth more than that in this short life? What could be a better use of our time? I want to say tonight, there's a lie that's crept into the church. It said, oh, well, look, hell's not real. Or maybe people will only be there for a little bit of time. You know, God is love, therefore... If we say God is love, therefore this, we've made our own idea of what love is superimposed it on God and then we're in danger because we're suddenly trying to create God in our image instead of letting Him conform us into His image. God is love and that's why He sent His Son to a world who didn't deserve it, who were sinners, who had rebuked Him, spat in His face and were a disgrace and love hung on a cross. Why? So that we might receive Him with our free will, our free choice, and that we would have eternity with God. That's the gospel, that we would know Him. Jesus says it in John 17, verse three. This is eternal life, that we would know God. Amen? And so, on the way back from being with my nan, I remember just on the way there, I remember sitting on the train and seeing the kids, seeing the, the people, in, the young kids with their phones. And I was stunned by how much our society has become engrossed by technology, engrossed by this insatiable, insidious type of, of, of addiction to busyness, addiction to having something to do all the time. We don't even remember what it's like to be bored anymore, right? Who remembers what it was like once when it was bored? It was like, there's nothing on TV. Oh man, I guess I'll sit here and think for a while. We don't even have time to do that anymore. I guarantee most of you, and you, even when you go to the toilet, you pull your iPhone out, right? Or your smartphone. Or is that just me? <laughs> Can I get, all right, let's get a confession. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, how much has it caused our attention and the way we connect with each other to be totally different? You see young people sitting around a table. I saw some stats that were talking about the, 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 um, the generation that are about 20 and under right now. They, they don't even know how to have deep relationships anymore. They've lost the art of connecting. Why? Because it's all about a facade. It's all about my status and my selfie and my picture and how's this going for my friends. And then what happens? A week later, people commit suicide. And we go, my goodness, there was no evidence of this on their page. Did any of their friends know? No, we didn't know. Why? Because the enemy has a strategy to keep you busy until your life is over. It's very clever. 
If he can get the world busy and distracted, then just maybe we won't be the salt and light in the darkness. It's all right. Jesus. What is God? God is love, right? And he made us in his image. When Adam and Eve fell, they fell away from God's image. And we know this at this church better than most. When Jesus died for us and we accepted him in salvation and baptism and became born again, what happened? You can throw ideas out at me. It's okay, I've been doing conferences all week. People are shouting at me and throwing out ideas. What happened at salvation? I can hear crickets. Come on, guys, what happened at salvation? Throw some thoughts out, it's okay. We became new creatures, new creations. What happened to the old nature? Was it partially done away with? You know, Colossians 2 compares it to circumcision, right? Thank God that's not a 30-year process like people have taught sometimes. Could you picture that? Don't picture that, please. (laughs) Why? Why did Jesus set us free from us? For relationship. We've become compatible with God once again. The Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 6.19. Say this, I'm compatible with God. That's not heresy unless you're not a Christian and you're sitting in your seat, then it is, I'm sorry. But if you think you're compatible with God and you haven't been born again, then that's an offense to the cross because it's only through Christ that you can be born again and made compatible with God. Is this making sense? I know I'm being a bit abrupt tonight, but I feel a a real severity on what God's doing at the moment, a a weightiness on this time. Who tuned into the news and saw what happened in Melbourne just a couple of days ago? If you don't know, an extremist, uh, they believe it was a Muslim, ran around with a knife and stabbing people. and, And one person who was walking along got stabbed in the head and died. I don't know where that person is. I don't know what their last thoughts are, but I can guarantee, I don't think they would have thought this is probably gonna be my last day today. I know who probably did, the man running around with a knife. I can guarantee he's not with God. Do you think it's possible that sometimes the reality of eternity has been too difficult for us to fathom? And so we just haven't. We've just shrugged it off or we've just thought, oh, that's, you know, that's gonna bring condemnation. Nathaniel, don't preach like that. It's gonna bring condemnation. I get it, I don't want to bring condemnation to, to, to Christians, that's not what I'm after. But sometimes we've been more concerned about momentary condemnation for believers than eternal damnation for unbelievers. Take a second to think about that. We've been more concerned about momentary condemnation for Christians than eternal damnation for non-Christians. Let that hit you in the heart. It's okay, the gospel can pierce. The gospel can be convicting. Why? Because we have hope. His name's Jesus. He's made us new in his image. Say this, I've been equipped. I've been qualified. The Spirit of God lives in me. I was just talking about being compatible with God. Do you realize how confronting that is? 
in the Old Testament, if people went into God's presence and they even had an ounce of sin, boom, they were dead in a second. And yet he cleaned you out so pure that he could put his Holy Spirit within you and make you compatible with God. What does that kind of freedom look like? See, the, the enemy has had us so tripped up with ourselves sometimes, so tripped up with trying to get free instead of realizing at the cross, Jesus set me free to be his witness. Everyone say, be his witness. Jesus called it the what? The be attitudes, not the do attitudes. That's why this is so important, guys. As a Christian for 10 years, I bit my lip and tried to produce fruit. And when I did, I thought, oh man, I did a great job. And then I'd mess up for a week. No one here relates at all. A few hands went up, three honest people. <laughs> I remember trying to bite my lip and produce fruit. Why? Because I thought I was battling my nature in order to produce fruit. And so I would bite my lip and battle my nature to try and produce fruit. But we're supposed to abide in Him and by your nature you produce fruit. Did you catch that? Why is this important? Because if the devil has us tripped up believing that we're a house divided, trying to get set our own self free. Let me say this statement. Pastor said it this morning. Free people, free people. I didn't just say the same thing twice. The English language is a funny thing. Free people, free people. Who's free? Who's set free? Whom the Son set free is what? Free indeed. Man, I remember, who remembers when, when the Persians started coming to Jesus? Isaac was around, you remember the, the, a few of us, about four years ago, we just went out and we, we were in Woodridge and, and we just played a game of tennis with some people. They didn't speak English, so we just thought we'll play tennis with them. And, and it led to one of them coming over who spoke a bit of English and, and, and we had no idea that these were Persian Muslims that had left their country disillusioned with Islam and wanted the truth. And I wonder how many people walked past them. How many people thought these, these hairy guys look a little bit scary? I got news for you, Jesus probably looked like that. He was Middle Eastern, right? <laughs> well, he's Jewish, but think about this. It's, he probably looked a bit like me. I'm <laughs> Lebanese and Italian, getting there. Except Roman, that's not so good, is it? <laughs> and missing the hair, maybe more like Paul. <laughs> but the reality is people would have walked past them, probably been intimidated by them. And we just played a game of tennis. It wasn't difficult. And I remember that, that as we started to just share simple truths of the gospel, we found that they actually wanted the gospel. We started praying for them and, and suddenly three of them wanted to get born again and baptized. And before we knew it, there was, there was tens and tens of, of, of Persian refugees saying, we want Jesus. We want to know him. We want to get baptized. We saw him encountering the Holy Spirit, repenting. I saw men who were taught the doctrine that Allah has no sons. I saw those men weeping on the floor saying, Daddy, Daddy, I love you. Come on. What could beat that? I look at what it says in, in Thessalonians. I think it's 2.19. And, and Paul talks and he says, what is our joy and rejoicing? And, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says, is it not you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? He's talking to the Thessalonians, those who he led to Christ. Our joy and crown of rejoicing when we get to the end of our life. 
Do you realize that is to look around and say, hey, wow, this person, I played a game of tennis with them. And they come up and they say, thank you, Nathaniel. Thank you that you, you stepped out and you spoke to me. I wanted somebody to, and you spoke to me. That day changed my life forever. But something broke my heart. And as we started to bring the uh, Persian refugees into church buildings to try and disciple them, you know what I started to realize? Christians were very uncomfortable around them. And it was so confronting to not know how to speak to them and maybe their English wasn't so good. And so often people would just keep their distance. And I get it. It is confronting. How to, you know, it, it can be much easier to, to sit with someone we know and talk and chat with them. But, but I was bringing these guys three and four hours in a hot bus. And this is years ago now. We've seen so much change here. But I remember bringing them into the building and I remember them standing up the back watching and people ignoring them. I want to promise you, I don't hold any offense in my heart about that. I'm desperate for us as Christians to get this truth. I'm not coming from a place of, of offense. I'm coming from a place that Jesus said, leave the 99, go after the one. So what do we do when the one comes even into our church building? We ended up seeing 30 of them come in. And yes, there was some amazing help from people. And I actually believe if it happened today, it would be different. I do believe that. But eventually it became difficult for, for them to come hours and hours in a bus and, and not have people to talk to and to find it confronting. I mean, guys, they would come along and we would go out and eat pizza and do a Bible study and three or four of them would get born again and saved. But I believe this is a season right now for each one of us to see this in our families, our friends. I'm saying that because it's confronting. I believe we could have many more in our church today. You realize Woodridge has 189 nationalities down the road from us. We say, God, send me on a missions trip that they're here. You don't go overseas to become a missionary. It's awesome to go overseas, but you are a missionary. What if we actually realized the truth? I'm saying this because it is confronting because sometimes we've heard the revelation of truth. And I want to give an, an analogy. It's almost like a doctor who's done like seven years or more of study. They've learned all the ins and outs. Do you think that doctor, when they're finished their study, are they equipped for the job? They had better be because they even make an agreement to protect life. So I ask again, is a doctor equipped for their job when they finish their study? But who knows that that doctor, maybe when they do their first or second operation or when they're doing things, they've actually got to maybe step out of their comfort zone. They've got to be like, okay, well, here's the real thing. I'm fully equipped. I know what I'm doing. I, I'm, I'm into this, but you know what? This is going to be a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe I, I, I might uh, feel a little bit nervous, but they know that they know that they know they're ready. What about someone who's, who's um, done six months of rehearsals for a, for a performance? They know the lines, they've done the dances, they've done the moves, they know what they're doing. Are they equipped ready? Right, but when the concert opens and the, and, and, and the curtains open up, who knows, they're probably feeling a little uncomfortable. But the reality is they're fully equipped right then and ready to go. And often people say, I felt uncomfortable up front, but when I stepped out, everything changed. That was a catalyst. 
What I'm talking about is we've had the truth implanted in our hearts, but sometimes as Christians, we've been waiting for it to just overflow almost, uh, almost flippantly. And, and we won't even have to do anything. I'm just gonna walk along and God's gonna violate my free will and suddenly I'm just gonna be sharing. The reality is you have been equipped, but it might not feel comfortable. But guess what? The Holy Spirit is the comforter. And now is the time. You won't get this day back. But you know what? When we stand before God, we won't remember the, how much we made, how much money we made. We won't remember what we owned. What is going to matter are those that are there with us. I want to turn to 1 Corinthians 13. You guys doing all right? Jesus. Holy Spirit. This chapter's about love. Who knows as Christians we get to become love, right? And bite our lip and try to love, we become love. Why? Because God is love and we're created in His image. So watch this, as love. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have, everyone say love, I have become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Now this is really interesting. I want to show you guys something in this passage of Scripture. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and knowledge, who would like to get more accurate with the prophetic so that you would see people's hearts open up and see them come to Him? Call the secrets of men's hearts out. Beck, put a hand up. My hand's up for that. I just got one hand on the Bible and one on the microphone. Who would like to see the word of knowledge, prophecy? It's okay to want that. Paul says to desire it. But look what he says here. If I have that, the gift of prophecy, and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I have what? Or I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions, this is huge, my, all of my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, picture that. We don't think about this. That's martyrdom. That's giving your body, your life to be burned. I'm gonna show you why I'm reading this passage in a second. That's, he's talking about martyrdom. Who knows it takes love to be martyred, to say, you know what, I don't love my life unto the death. But then he says that if you have not love, if you give your body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. And then he goes on to the passage we know, love is patient, love is kind. Why is that so important? Because I believe there's two sides of the coin here. I want to draw your attention to um, Matthew 25, verse 31. Look at this, but when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Who knows this has not happened yet? Yes, are we on the same page about that? Jesus is going to separate the nations and this has not taken place. This is something that will happen. Are we in agreement? Yeah? You guys doing all right? Okay. Oh, 
all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, or some say the least of these, or it does actually even say it here, even the least of, the, of them, you did it to me. Everyone say, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Hasn't been prepared for men, it's been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they, them, them, then they themselves will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous, everyone say the righteous. The righteous to eternal life. And when I read that out, I can, I can sometimes even feel people's offense at that. I haven't even opened up on it. That's the, I'm reading the Bible straight. The words of Jesus Christ here. This is the truth. But why did I hit Corinthians 13 first? There's two sides to this thing. That talked about giving your life for martyrdom. It talked about feeding the poor. But if you have not love, you have what? Nothing. And so we need to understand that, that when we become love, I just did a message um, the other day with three chairs. And they were called acceptance, identity, and um, the middle one was identity. And the last one was performance. And I talked about how so often in the church, we, we believe when our performance is good, our identity is impacted, and then we get acceptance from God. And then I flipped the thing around and showed a simple message that we get acceptance first because we, become, we come into his kingdom and he says, this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. And acceptance comes first, then our identity is grounded in that. And out of that place, performance starts to happen. Not performance for approval, but performance from approval. Amen? So, the, so in, we've got this double-sided thing happening because you see in Corinthians, you see, oh my goodness, if we don't have love, then it doesn't mean anything. But then Jesus talks and he starts to show what will happen if you have love. Because he says to the next ones, he says, those who are righteous. Is this making sense? It's so key because he, he talks about the least of these, those who are in jail, 
the widows, those in need of help. I fear sometimes that we've become so busy in our lives that we come to church and we go to our lives and we come to church and year after year, people remain in prison cells with no one visiting them. Homeless people remain on the streets and people walk past them all day long. What would it look like for us to say, Jesus, I get an opportunity to love you, to look one of these ones in the eyes who can't help themselves and help them. One of the best memories of, our, of my life I have is, is when Haley and I were, were reaching some of the Middle Eastern couples and we were sitting on the carpet with them because they didn't have a table and they were feeding us and we're sitting there, Haley and I, and they're all talking in Farsi and we didn't know the language. I've learned a bit of it, but I remember them talking and, and laughing and Haley and I just looked at each other from across the floor, not the table. And I just thought, man, this is, this is a memory. This is what it's about, to go to the least of these and be able to love them, to see who needs help, the widows, the orphans, the, and God forbid, our families. I'm not saying this to heap condemnation on us. I'm, I wanted to bring conviction because he has equipped us. I might get someone on the piano. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, just put your hands on your heart. Say, Jesus, help me to be obedient to the gospel. I know you love me. I know you've caused me to become love. Help me to be love to others. Show me how to imitate you how to love the widows and the orphans, how to step out of my comfort zone, how to reach my family. Jesus. I was planning to share a whole stack of other stuff, but I really believe God's doing something significant now. We have awakening coming in just a few days. Think about this, in the middle of the streets of Melbourne where someone was, was stabbed, come tomorrow there will be Christians walking through those streets bringing life, bringing love. In a world where people are afraid because people are dying, as Christians we get to live unafraid because I'm never gonna die, I'm gonna be with God for all eternity. You guys are gonna be with me. You might even get sick of me. <laughs> Only Trev. <laughs> there's no sickness there, Trev just said. <laughs> you can't even get tired of me because there's no tiredness there. But what God has put on my heart tonight, guys, is, is to bring the fivefold of evangelism to cause us to say, God, the truth that I've been gaining, I want to let the rubber meet the road. I don't want to say, well, that's just Nathaniel's calling and let the army go in and 10% and go in and get pummeled by the enemy. I'm called. It might not be comfortable, but just like that, that, that uh, performer who's equipped and fully trained, the dress rehearsal's over. The time's now. 
Even if there's people and you've been feeling like this has just been hard to hear, I want to say this. Jesus Christ removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. He works all things together for His good. So maybe there's been times when we've been disobedient or we, we haven't shared and maybe we've even seen people pass away. I know I have. But right now is not the time to get caught up with going over and over that again. We have to trust that God is righteous, that He is good, and no one will be treated unfairly in eternity because He is just. But you have this moment right now, right now, to make a decision. To say the blood of Jesus is enough. I believe I'm fully equipped. Nathaniel doesn't know my family like I do. I mean, if I was to be honest in this room and just to ask even a question, I won't do it. But if I was to say, you know, how, how many hours do we, do we intentionally put aside for, for maybe catching up with a friend who's a Christian or maybe even unintentionally, but if we were to add up the, you know, being on Netflix and entertainment and what that would look like in a week, who knows, it might be more than an hour for some of us and a lot more for others. But if I was to say how many of us intentionally actually put like even just an hour aside a week to say, God, I'm, I'm going to get uncomfortable. I'm going to call my family members. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm going to start. I know you've equipped me, Jesus. I know time is short. I want to be the light that you've called me to be, that a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. That's you. That's now. That's hope in Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.